1 Samuel chapter 2, and I only have one verse I'd like to read. It's caught in the narrative, perhaps somewhat seemingly out of place, but it is the counterbalance of all things aforementioned, or mentioned prior, or given in description. So we read it, and then we'll pray the Lord will help us. First Samuel chapter 2 and 1 verse, verse 26. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. It's simplistic, but since I only have one verse, I'll read it again. Because I love it so much, really. And the child Samuel grew on. I was in favor. Oh man, isn't it great to be in favor with the Lord? And with men too, that's good. In fact, that's the best of both worlds. It's okay to be in favor with God and not with other people as long as God approves of you. But it just feels good to be in favor with God and with men. Amen. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Turn your neighbor and smile at him real big, real loud. Amen. You may be seated. And when you get seated, put your Bibles beside you when you're seated and clap your hands and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on, we can do better than that now. Come on, out of your mouth, make a joyful noise unto God. Clap your hands, all ye people. And open up your mouth and shout some praises. Come on, somebody, shout some praises. Because the Lord is in his temple. And there's healing and deliverance and restoration in this house tonight. I feel his great power and spirit in this place. Sometimes I pray and listen to God. Sometimes I pray and I speak to God. And pardon me, he understands my ineptness because sometimes I pray and I have to tell him something. And I told God tonight if he didn't show up, I didn't know what we were going to do. Thank God he showed up because everybody doesn't, we can't do it by ourselves. We're not talented enough by ourselves. we got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house here tonight to do his perfect work. stared at a few pictures and over time I've observed things that I didn't see at first glance 
If you become familiar with some painting or portrait, it's easy to miss something vital. Take a common coin, maybe turn it in your hand. You might bypass some of the finer lines that exist there. If you read the Bible, you might also miss the hidden narrative that lies just beneath the main storyline. Think with me for a moment what is left out but obvious in the young life of Moses. His mother must have instilled a powerful truth inside of him because even at the age of 40 years old, living as a prince in Egypt, he knew he did not belong there. Though she did not have him for 40 years. Jochebed was so emphatic in the younger years that Moses never forgot who he was. No amount of wealth, no royal robes could hide the gnawing fact that he was a Hebrew, a descendant of the covenant of Abraham. And just seeing the underlying message there leads me to Israel's most renowned prophet, Samuel. He occupies multiple positions. He is a unique man in his own right, but I do not preach of the aged Samuel, the wise man, or the one who carried a horn of oil, anointing kings to lead the nation. I'm not seeing the prophet in his later years being the counterbalance among the political forces promoted by a corrupt monarchy. I'm talking about a very young Samuel, perhaps eight or ten years old. Through that period of time, he is given to Eli. To work in the house of the Lord in Shiloh. This very young Samuel goes about doing the bidding of an indifferent high priest, Eli. The high priest has become accustomed to his position and it's obvious that he is now insensitive to the needs of the people. Eli cannot distinguish between a prayerful travail, a yearning and someone who is intoxicated. Read it in your Bible. And to make matters worse, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are creating havoc among all of the people. Needless to say, it is a low spiritual moment in Israel's history. Samuel, young, impressionable Samuel, has entered the house of the Lord in some of Israel's darkest days. Samuel has been sent there to become a servant of the high priest and he has no real grasp of the lifeless atmosphere in which he dwells. For the Bible says, and I quote, that the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in, their, in those days. There was no open vision. God was not speaking. The word of the Lord was rare. And the next verse is a microcosm of the atmosphere that covered the land. And I quote, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. It's almost a perfect metaphor for the spiritual condition that engulfed Eli and the nation. The high priest could not see. His spiritual sight was dim. He laid down in his place. No leadership, no movement. Eli laid down in his place, spiritually blind, deaf to the voice of God, but content to be in his position. That is the atmosphere in which Samuel worked, lived, and functioned every day of his young life. 
The house of the Lord, the place where he slept was dark. It was absence of any spiritual light. People knew what was going on. Hophni and Phinehas were having affairs with the women. They were stealing the choice meat meant for the altar and for God. They were causing havoc and disregarding order and the law of the Lord. They'd abandoned it all. And even though Eli spoke to his sons, he was either too weak to remove them or too self-engrossed to take any action. So he let them remain in their place. Some historians and commentators say that there were two reasons why Eli did not want to replace them. Primarily because... It would have been an open declaration that he was an unworthy and unfit father. That his house was in fact and indeed out of order. Secondly, they say that he was just apathetic. He didn't care. But a man came, the Bible says. It looks like a prophet or at least a godly man. A man came and confronted Eli. And God spoke through that man and said, Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people? Here's what the man said. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your family line and you will see distress in my dwelling. Talk about some dreary days. If things could get much worse, I cannot imagine at the top... Religious leader was spiritually blind. God was no longer talking to the high priest. The priestly family had been corrupted. Eli's sons were thieves. They were fornicators. They were deceitful. They were deeply carnal. They treated the house of God, the temple of the most high God, as their personal business, place of business. They sought out the wealthy offerings and took them home. Eli was on record as being disappointed with them, but they still led the armies into battle. We find out, we find out a little later that Hophni and Phinehas did not lose their place at the front of the line. They did not lose their prestige or position, which makes me know that being disappointed is not the same as rebuke, rebuke and reproof. It was a dark, dark day. The spiritual condition of the nation was in a downward spiral because it seems that what was permitted in the house of God permeated the lives of the people abroad. And perhaps they might say, if the high priest allows it, then I guess it's okay. Historically, we know, and from the tone of the biblical narrative, we know that Israel was at odds even with each other. There was no balance among men. There was no mercy, decency, and integrity even among the people had been banished. It was gone. It was a... It was a horrible day. The heavenlies were shut up. And Israel began to experience a period of time when God rejected their offerings. Eli never had a fresh word or a vision for the people. For the word of the Lord was rare. There was no open vision. Sure, Eli had instinct. Because after several times of the young Samuel rushing in to ask him. Eli, did you call me? High priest, did you call me? After several times... Of that, Eli finally realized it must be the voice of God. So Eli said to a very young Samuel, Samuel, if you hear the voice again, say, here am I, Lord. Eli had lost his direct line with the Lord and it caused the entire nation to sink into carnality. The abyss of fleshly behavior became the norm. I wish I could paint the picture tonight. There's a shadow lingering in the corridor. The cloak of sin is hovering there, staining the minds of men and women as it passes over them. Children, young people, those who are married and those who are in their waning years, all of them have become stagnant toward the holy things of God. The light seems to have gone out and no one could put their 
your finger on what has happened. On the surface, everything looks good. They are in Shiloh indeed. And in fact, they have the Ark of the Covenant among them. All the rituals are in order. All the ceremonies are still taking place. But something is deteriorating at a rapid pace because anger is filling the hearts of the people. Discontentment and debauchery has crept in like a slithering snake on a wax floor. And a lot of them are racing headlong toward defeat by the hands of the Philistines. They don't know it, but it's going to be a bloodbath. And the Ark of the Covenant will never make its way back to Shiloh. It's a dark, dark day. But I found the other side of that coin. And I found the hidden narrative lying just beneath the main storyline. For while so many of them are wallowing in sin and apathy, Samuel is having a personal revival because the Bible says that the, that the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. So I rise to say to all of this crowd of believers, grow on. I don't care what's happened to your life, grow on. While the whole nation and the whole world is wallowing in sin, oh yes, hear it in the Bible. There was one man who did not join them. Let me read it to you. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he ever made man on earth and it grieved God in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowl of the air for it repented me that I have made them but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord hear me when the world is dark and everything's going wrong you can still grow on I got a word for somebody tonight you might be alone at home and alone in the world, but grow on. You might be the only one in your family still living for God and holding the truth, but you can grow on. If every one of your friends abandons plain decency, grow on. If every one of your family, if they forget what God has done and they despise the holy things of God, grow on. I know Joshua has gathered all the people together who crossed over the land and he said and I paraphrase he said to them look the Lord brought you out of Egypt open up the Red Sea look at all he's done he brought us through the land of the Amorites who should have wiped us out but God fought for us we took possession of the land in every corner of this place Joshua said there were men who wanted the prophets to curse us but God caused the curse to be a blessing he said so I gave you a land on which you did not toil I gave you cities that you did not have to build you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant now fear the Lord serve him with faithfulness throw away the gods of your forefathers and what they worship beyond the river and in Egypt and what they served to do all of that throw it away and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom you'll serve whether the gods of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in the land you now dwell but as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord if you don't want to live for God no problem but as for me and my house we got to grow we got to grow we must grow we need the Lord every day we got to grow I'm asking this church since when did the atmosphere dictate our attitude 
Since when did a dark world full of sin decide how we ought to live? Here, growth in God cannot be contingent upon the people or the conditions around us. I say to you, grow on. In fact, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Hear me, if you're the, hear me young people, if you're the only one in your class that's baptized in the Holy Ghost, then rise up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You can grow in the middle of sin, you can grow in the middle of darkness, you just grow on. Go check out the teenage girl who was kidnapped from her family. And the Bible says that she was taken captive out of the land of Israel. She was, and I quote, a little maid. But just because her environment was not of her own making, she did not get bitter, or as the man said, she got better. She did not lose her voice or her witness. Her situation did not alter her attitude, because when her captor came down with leprosy and was about to die, Naaman, she said to his wife, Oh, I wish the master of the house would go see the prophet that lives in Samaria, for he would cover him of his proper of his leprosy i say grow on if you are working in a job and everybody cusses around you and everybody hates the lord and they don't love anything about the word you can still grow if you get captive hear me you can still grow don't let the world affect your attitude and for sure don't let the world affect the church here pastor now Get up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. That went over well. I didn't hear the audible voice, but I just felt like the Lord told me to tell you that. I'm hoping that was right. Put your head up. Stop drooping your shoulders. Stop complaining because you don't have what everyone else has. God is just as good as you make him out to be. It could be that he's going to be God according to your expectation. You know I don't want to go down there. Just keep growing. Grow on. Grow on. Grow on. Really? Things are bad? The high priest's sons are doing all that horrible things? Grow on? You're telling me you can't grow on because someone else is not doing right? You can grow in the middle of all the mess. And if there are things that you cannot escape from your past and they keep coming back to get you, don't let them define who you are now in Jesus Christ. Say, say this, I am forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching forth to the things which are before. I press for the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One of the sweet pastors came here this weekend and he, he was right here at the altar and he said to me, he said, he said, Pastor Harpel, I want you to know that it took me a long time and a hard road to get into Pentecost. He said, my father 
hated the church and he used to whip me and beat me every time I went to church. He said that his family hated God and hated everything that was religious. He said they would rather me be an alcoholic or a drug addict than to be a Pentecostal. But he said that he decided I was just going to grow in the Lord in spite of my family and my father. Hear me. It doesn't matter where you are. You can become a spiritual giant powerful in the Lord. There were saints in Nero's household because Paul said all the saints salute you chiefly they are of Caesar's household hey if they can grow in God and keep their faith and walk in truth all the while living in the man with the man they used to call the beast you can grow wherever you are grow on and so I say to all the naysayers and all the accusers of the brethren we are not losing we are winning we are not just trying to survive we are thriving we are overcomers we are not not underachievers because we're growing I'm not talking about numbers I'm talking about in the spirit it is our natural instinct to bemoan and lament the trial of our day It is natural for us to consider our shortcomings and the environment of our life. But none of us are living in a dark house where the ark lives, but God doesn't speak. It is almost mind-bending to think that the place where the Shekinah would rest has now grown silent and still. And yet, Samuel, the child, he grew on and he was in favor with God and with men. I'm setting you up now because I know what's about to happen. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year. And you're going to get around people, they don't love the Lord, they don't like the church, They despise the Bible. They don't want to have anything to do with God. I'll tell you what you do. You walk in, you smile. You don't put church language aside. They're not going to put the football game aside or what they have wrong with the church or their negativity. You just walk in and say, God's good. If somebody gets the Holy Ghost before Thanksgiving, you get to that Thanksgiving dinner and you just start out like this. I think we ought to thank God somebody got the Holy Ghost at New Life last week. You can grow on. I'm not talking about being mean or arrogant. I'm talking about giving God thanks. Why should we should why should we backtrack? Why should we hang our heads and hide? We've got the truth and the gospel. And to the church in Rome that suffered opposition. And oh, did they suffer opposition. Paul said, and I quote from the scripture. He said, this is written. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. Oh yes, we're accounted sheep for the slaughter. He identified the current trouble of the church in Rome with the scripture. But then he said, nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature. I want to know if the environment can separate you. It's going to get a lot darker where you are. I think you can push back the darkness by just standing up and saying, I'm going to grow in God. I hope all the husbands and the wives are together. Love your husband, love your wife, but don't forsake your growth in God. Love your parents, but don't forsake your growth in God. And if the New Testament church can thrive in an atmosphere of political and social duress and opposition and oppression, surely this house in Terre Haute, Indiana can keep the faith and grow on. I've got to say to somebody, the atmosphere, your conditions cannot dictate your attitude or your life. It could be that when you get to church and you just feel wrung out, that's the time to start shouting. That's the time to start dancing. That's the time to start clapping. That's the time to start lifting up your voice. You've got to grow. Hear me. You open up your Bible on Monday morning. I'll tell you how good this service can be. This service can be good if tomorrow morning you go to your kitchen table, your dining room table, and you open up your Bible before you do anything and say, Lord, I'm ready to do a little growing. And you open up the book and you say, I got to eat the book today. I got to consume the book today because I'm going to grow. I don't care if everybody else is going to die, but I'm not going to die. I got to grow. One of my friends told me, he said, I, 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 got, I went to church. He, he's from Wisconsin. He said, I went to church. And he said, I love the Lord. I love him so much. I wanted to serve God. My, my parents said, don't go to church. He said, but I was 15. He said, I opened up my bedroom window and I would, I would get out of the window and I'd run to church and I'd go to church. And when my dad kept caught me, he would whip me with the belt and say, don't ever go back there again. He said, but next Sunday night came around and he said, I'd go to my bedroom. He said, about five. 30 I'd get in my bedroom I'd open up my window again he said I knew I was going to get a whipping when I came home he said it didn't matter he said and the next day I went to my kitchen table and my father was smoking and he was cussing and he drank from early on to the midnight he said I just waved the smoke away and I opened up my bible he said I got to grow I got to be saved I've got to know the word hear me if he can do that in that house you can do it where you are Hey, I want you to banish the thought that sickness is going to bring you down. Because before he died, Mark Quick was worshiping the Lord right here in this house. And if he can worship through cancer, you can worship through whatever you're going through. Go on. Uh. We've got to change our, our mindset here a little bit now because we are so consumed with the cares and the environment of the world. Now, it's, 
It's easy to do it. We're inundated on every side. All the language. All the thoughts. All the ideas. All the music. All the movies. All the things that come in us. All the YouTube channels. Little images popping up on Instagram. All the stuff. It infects us. It's like an infection deep in our, deep in our marrow, our bones. It bothers us. Sometimes we have to press our way into Jesus, but sometimes that's the best time of your life. When you grow, even if you get no support, that's the best time of your life. So I commend all of you who come to church but you go home and you have no support to serve God at home. I commend all of you that are living an apostolic life but no one's supporting you. And I'll tell you what it is. You are a witness. You make up a cloud of witness. And the cloud has a wonderful message. Those great voices that come no matter where you are. Listen. God has something for you even right now. The Bible says this though. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because you have rejected me, I'll also reject you and you'll become no priest to me. The reason why we're not growing like we want to grow is because we watch the news More than we read the book. Oh no. The other reason why is because we think that perhaps it's just too hard to serve God and make a commitment. But I rise to say, this is the moment to make the commitment. You can be great in God if you want to be great in God. And it doesn't matter what parents or grandparents or brothers or sisters do. You can be great in God. if You, you can be committed if you want to be committed. Surely, whoever told us that we've got to sink to the lowest common denominator, surely they were not our friends. So I say... In whatever atmosphere you're in right now, you need to lift up your voice and your hands and say, right now tonight, Lord, I'm making a decision, a choice. And my choice, Lord, is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the truth. I want to preach longer, but I feel the Lord wants me to stop right here. And I I need someone just to stand up and say, I don't. I don't have a lot of support and I've had a lot of bad conditions and I've had a lot of trouble but I'm here to say I'm going to grow in the Lord when you don't have any reason to have faith when you got a lot of reason to doubt When you got more reasons to give up than you 
lead you. He's right there by your side. He's going to make your feet strong. He's going to make your heart strong. He's going to give you a great voice. He's going to give you a dance in your step. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Keep growing. I feel the spirit of the Holy Ghost in this house now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God wants you to grow. You can grow. Come on, church. We're going to minister to one another now. Just reach out and grab somebody. The Lord is in this house. He's going to minister to someone. Here, do it right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I didn't know if I could go another day. But you kept my way, Lord. <laughs>